Hello and welcome to the last episode of season four of Rusted Junk. Wow, where has the time gone? No. Um, <laughs> mm, anyway, we're in spooky mode because it's Halloween and I hope you get to listen to this before Halloween. So I better pull my finger out and edit this. But b- before I can edit it, we need to record it. And the film that we are doing, or can the film that we are discussing, that we have just watched, is the 1988 film Beetlejuice starring Michael Keaton, Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, Catherine O'Hara, Winona Ryder, and our good friend, Jeffrey Jones. Yay! Here's the trailer. (laughs) From the director of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Adam and Barbara are... Ghosts. What's the good of being a ghost if you can't frighten people away? Their house is being haunted by the living. Maybe the house could use a little remodeling. And they can't scare them into leaving. They're dead. It's a little late to be neurotic. So they're calling on Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Who's no ordinary ghost. Yeah, you don't want his help. Can you be scary? What do you think of this? Now, the party's over. You want somebody out of the house? I want to get somebody out of your house. <laughs> but the fun has just begun. It's showtime. He's guaranteed to put some life Attention, King in your afterlife. Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice. I'm the ghost with the most, babe. Trailer, then. The ghost with the most, apparently. So it says Beetlejuice. I think there might be some contenders. Uh, Casper may, may say he has the most. I don't know. What, what ghosts do you particularly like? I know you don't like horror films, but you know ghosts, huh? What, what famous like ghosts? ghosts on the, on the um, Muppet Christmas Carol. Have they got names? Well, it's played by Statler and Waldorf. Okay. Marley. Yeah. Marley. Yeah, there's, I was kind of like thinking of like famous ghosts. Well, they are. They're not famous. They're from Dickens. Well, they're not written into... Charles Dickens didn't have them in mind, two stuffed puppets. Oh, they're playing characters. Yeah, they're playing Statler and Waldorf. Yeah. Right. Anyway, right. Uh, well, uh, uh, next time, next time on on famous ghosts, <laughs> we, we won't be discussing famous ghosts. I reckon Casper's got a good good chance at it, um, and the numerous ghosts in Scooby Doo. But anyway, there's some ghosts in Harry Potter. There is ne- uh, nearly headless Nick. And who's the one um, in the toilets? Uh, Moaning Myrtle. That's it. See, my, and then my, there's the one at the end. Uh, who has this? Isn't about book. Harry Potter. We've Sorry. just done two ghosts. That's fine. It's and I just thought we could just have a friendly chat about ghosts. Let's get into the film that we were talking about. Let's talk about Beetlejuice. So, marks out of ten. What did you think of it? Well, I had seen it before. Mind you, it was a long time ago. Uh, was it passing in the? Uh, was it the usual? It was on TV. Uh, 
watched it for five minutes and then oh I, d- I think i must have rented this one okay i think it might have been a at, at the time or near or no right well after yeah because somebody told you it's a good idea to see beetlejuice um i, I can't remember okay it might have been one of those days where i was a student and kind of in the early night well, wouldn't have been in the early 90s either I was at uni, 92 to 95, so yeah, sort of around about that time. So nearly kind of like, you know, eight years after. Okay. All right, okay. Well, uh, thank, thanks for the um, the blockbuster memories. But um, So what did you actually think of it then? What did I think of it? Um, very Tim Burton-esque, isn't it? Yes, that's a good thing. Um creativity of uh characters i like michael keaton in his role he acted yep. that brilliantly um so i thought you were getting annoyed with him i know i know this is probably sometimes when i'm sat next to you i mean for if you, if this is the first podcast you listen to by the way and rusted joke we don't talk about the film afterwards but sometimes there's a bit of tutting there's a bit of oh can you stop it while i go make a cup of tea and you kind of get the I'm not getting this. Um, I thought you were getting visibly uncomfortable with Michael Keaton, if I'm honest. So that's a nice surprise. I didn't like his leeriness. It's a product of the time. We'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah. Um, So I don't think that has aged particularly well. Um, uh, Winona Ryder obviously playing a very sort of dark character again. Mm, Very dark. We'll get to that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Gina Davis, not a huge fan of Gina Davis, to be honest. Mm, I find her a bit annoying, Um, but she plays her part well. Um, And then Alec Baldwin looks completely, completely different there, doesn't he? Yes, but, you know, for for those of us who have been with Alec Baldwin from the start, that's the Alec Baldwin that, I mean, we'll get to that in Roll Call, that you're seeing in the, the, that you see today, obviously he's aged. I mean, he's, Mm. yeah. He was a good-looking guy. He's a good-looking guy. Oh, I still have the youthful complexion I had when I was forty-eight. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's um, yeah. So it, it is right as so, a film. As a film, as a concept, it works quite well. Um, <coughs> I'd forgotten that they're they're actually dead quite early on in the film. Right, I'd forgotten that. You don't remember the the, the bridge that they go over there. No, I didn't remember that bit. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was all right. Nice Halloween, right. yeah. It's a nice Halloween, Halloween-y film. It's all right. There's some funny moments in it. Well, this is about what we can get away with. This and Ghostbusters is and Ghostbusters 2 is probably what we can get away with, with you and horror for Halloween. <laughs> yes, I was about that. Yeah. So, yeah, this is this is about as close as it gets. So my so, score? Yes. Six. Six? Yeah. Don't know if that's fair or not. Okay. Well, it is an opinion, and this is why we're here, to mm-hmm. give our opinions. Um, I don't think the film, I, I, I'm going to come out with it. I don't think the film's aged well. No. And not as in the, the concepts and the behaviour. Um, I I just remember it being a lot more, involved i remember a lot more beetlejuice 
for a film yeah. called Beetlejuice, there's not a lot of Beetlejuice in it. Do you want to guess how many minutes he's in it for in total? Well, the film's about an hour and a half, isn't it? The film's 94 minutes, yeah. Um, Take out the credits, it's 90 minutes, you know. 20 minutes? 14 and a half. <gasps> you don't get a lot of Beetlejuice in your Beetlejuice. No. But what you do get, as I say, is good. I have to come right off the bat and admit that Michael Keaton is one of my all-time favourites. I could watch him open. I could. I would pay to watch him open to 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 watch him open a crisp bag. He's just mesmerising, and and we'll get to that in roll call because you you put in roll call together and you go in. This is this is great. Um, talking to Joe about it um, earlier to, earlier this evening, and you know we're just rattling through it and then going, look at this guy. So it disappoints me that I didn't find the film as a whole. As well as I as well as I remembered it, mm. um, I'd obviously put it on some sort of pedestal um, and thought, "Oh, this is this is the be all and end all." I mean, it's funny, you know, the bit where the, the in the background here, the bit that was in the trailer. If you're watching this on YouTube, is you know, um, learn to throw your voice, fun at parties, right? And I always remember that, and I remember more of that, and there wasn't enough of that, and. I do love him as a character, but for some reason it didn't all come together like it did when I, when I w- remember going to the cinema to watch it. Oh, right. Okay. And I remember I had a lot of fun. I'm still going to give it seven. It still gets <laughs> a se- it still gets a seven because the, the beauty of the film, the way that it's shot, you are right. This is, if you were, if there was no sound on and you didn't see the credits within about five minutes, if you didn't say this is a Tim Burton film, then you haven't been watching Tim Burton or films. Mm basically um it's we don't talk about tim burton in roll call but i mean let's you know let's take a let's take a moment we haven't done any of his other films have we tim burton no we haven't um and if this is the first one then may it be the first of many because you know we we have not the first film he's made though is it oh no 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 this wasn't by by a long way he'd made he'd made films before i haven't listed them out but i mean let's look at the Let's look at his his view of Batman. You know, also starring Michael Keaton, the best Batman, but we'll get to that. Um, But look at the way that was filmed. Look at Batman Returns, Planet of the Apes. You know, all the things that he puts his mind to. Alice in Wonderland. Can you imagine any other director being making a film as good as Alice in Wonderland and through the looking glass? One with Johnny Depp in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good movie. Wonderful. Because, Because of Tim Burton. Because of the, the, you know, the, I remember at the time there was no, obviously there was no internet, but I remember reading that people were in uproar that Michael Keaton was being made Batman and people were writing. Yes. Yes. Kids handwritten letters. If you can imagine that to the, to, to the studio going, how dare you cast this goon that's been starring in like slapstick comedies and things like that. How can you dare to in Batman? He's in Batman. Oh, he's wonderful. Oh, he's the best thing ever. And even now, the, the the geek podcast that I listen to say, Batman, he's brilliant. Michael Keaton's brilliant. He's also in other films, but we'll get to that in a moment. Summer School 7. Um, so, after that ramble, sorry, <laughs> from, from there. Um, well, we'll get to that, and we'll get into some of the, the things that, that are right with it, very right with it, and some things are a bit wrong. But should we do roll call? Yes, please. Sweetheart, okay. 
Do you want to introduce Roll Call? Here's Roll Call. Roll Call. Right, so, well, we've got to start after after that brief brief interlude and ramble. We have to start with Michael Keaton. Um, do you want to care to give your? Because yeah, when we when we get to important actors, we we discuss them. What what do you like, Michael Keaton? Do you like his films? He's okay. He's okay. Listen to this, mind you. I suppose I, we still got Howard the Duck being above average, so. I don't want to obsess her too much. <laughs> it's okay, apparently. He's, he's okay. okay. He's okay. He's well, okay. he was in a John Hughes film. Would, have I seen it? Uh, no, but it also stars Alec Baldwin. And you wouldn't have seen that either. It's the uh, the last of the sort of teen trilogy things that he did. It wasn't really teen. She's having a baby with Kevin Bacon. Alec Alec Baldwin played his best mate and Michael Keaton showed up in the final credits when all these stars are talking about names for babies. So Michael Keaton gets a credit in a John Hughes film. John Candy gets a credit in that because he appears on the end of that. Anyway, Michael Keaton. Okay. Uh, Early, early things. Mr. Mom was a great film. Uh, starring Terry Gar, she goes out to work. He has to look at the kids. He has to look after the kids at home. Wonderful! It's a great film. Way ahead of its time. Loved it. That's where I first saw him. Then he started in a film called Gung Ho, which is bringing Japanese business traditions to Detroit to a car factory. Um, doesn't hold up in a very politically correct way these days, but still. Mm-hmm. Um, then he turns his hand to things like Clean and Sober where he plays an alcoholic, so he can do the, the meaty roles. Um, Dream Team, which we were going to cover um, at some, we will cover at some point. Uh, he's brilliant in that. Uh, Batman, Batman Returns, wonderful. Pacific Heights, Melody Griffith. He then tries his hand to Shakespeare. He stars in Much Ado About Nothing in the early 90s. He stars in The Paper. He's in Jackie Brown. He plays the uh, FBI agent, Roy, Roy Ray Nicolette who also makes an appearance in the George Clooney, Jennifer Lopez film, Out of Sight, as mm-hmm. the same character, oh, which cool. I thought was brilliant. Loved that. Uh, he's the voice of Ken in Toy Story 3. Is he? He is. He is. I didn't know that. Uh, he Well, yes. Uh, he voices a lot of Call of Duty Black Ops 2, and I remember watching that and going, yeah, that's Michael Keaton. Um, being a big Call of Duty fan, he stars in the remake of Robocop. He then comes back out and gets gets a I don't I can't remember if he won the Oscar. I'm not sure if he did, but certainly Birdman uh with uh Edward Norton. Um yeah, it's a great film. It's a wonderful film. Oscar nominated. Um he's the voice in Minions. Uh he was in The Founder, how McDonald's started. He was wonderful, literally wonderful as the Falcon in Spider-Man Homecoming. Um which was great. He was in Dumbo and Batman fans rejoice because he plays Bruce Wayne and Batman in the new Flash film coming next year. Yes, our prayers are answered. How so, can yeah. he play Batman? He's too old. Sorry? He's too old to play Batman. He can play, still play Bruce Wayne. He can still play Batman. I mean, Batman's not constricted. He doesn't walk around with a Zimmer frame. 
Batman's strength is from within, from the cowl, from the... No, 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 yes. no. Either that or he's been taking some weird health supplements then. I don't care what he's taking. He's back on the screen. Happy days. I hope... I hope. Well, uh, he can't be as bad as Christian Bale. Yeah, I know. I know when, well, I'm not a Chris... I'm a Christian Bale Bruce Wayne fan. I'm not so much a Christian Bale Batman fan because I don't, don't no. get the voice. The, it's the voice that, that kills it for me. But it's but the best Batman film of all time is The Dark Knight, so you can't. But anyway, mm. anyway, there we go. Alec Baldwin. Let's move to Alec Baldwin. Any anything anything? Can you give me anything of the film Alec Baldwin in? Is he the one doing the film at the minute? That's right. Yeah. So let's address the elephant in the room. Police are investigating. Investigations are ongoing. Um, I thought about what to say about it. He's been filming his new, um, for those that are listening to this in the future, I'm going to wonder what this is all about. Um, it, it would have already been resolved. The police would have already finished their investigations, but at the moment they're ongoing. All I know is that, there, you know, something was discharged on set. He was pointed a gun and it went off. And unfortunately, somebody sadly died. And one of the, and the director was injured. And this so all what happened film, last week. What film is that that he's making? Um, Rust. He's a producer, isn't called. he? Rust, yeah, he's a producer Rust. of that. Rust. And what actually is that film? Do we know? Uh, it's a Western. Um, so it's a film where somebody who's, if you can believe it, he's defending somebody who acci- who's been accused of accidentally killing somebody. <gasps> mm. All I know is this, right? And, and I'm not going to comment on it, but I've been paintballing. And if you, if any of the marshals ever see you point your paintball gun in the direction of anybody, you, you're grabbed by the collar mm. and you're marched out, right? With, when they've got their, their visors up. When it's not in play, if you do that, and rightly so, turfed out, that's all I'm going to say, because I don't understand how it happened, but that's for the police to sort it's out. It's not for us to know, though, is it? It's, let's, um... But let's go to Alec Baldwin, the actor. Anything? Uh, there's quite a few Baldwins though, isn't there? There's a few. There's only one that's talented. This Is one. one of the well, others? Yeah, no, I, you're not a big fan. Oh, wow. It's one right. that looks like he's asleep a lot because his eyes don't really open Even. much. Stephen, yeah. 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 But they're very pretty eyes when they are open, but he just doesn't open them very much, does he? Hmm. Hmm. Stephen <laughs> was, in, he was in The Usual Suspects. Yeah. Anyway, Ron Baldwin, Alec uh, Baldwin. Yeah. He will he will always be the best incarnation of Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan in the quite wonderful Hunt for Red October. Um, he'll always be Jack Ryan. He was replaced by Harrison Ford. Sorry, Harrison, you were rubbish. Didn't work. <laughs> uh, it was no, no, that's wrong. He was all right, but he's no, he's no Alec Baldwin. That's how Jack Ryan's written in the book. That's how Jack Ryan's portrayed on the film. Perfect. Uh, he's Kevin Bacon's best friend, as we just said, and she's having a baby. The famous, he's famous for the Glen Gary, Glen Ross, or ABC, always be closing the sales pitch that he does to Al Pacino and the uh, Ed Harris and the the um, the salesmen that are in the room. Um, I think he's he's mileage. He's got so much mileage out of that. He's made adverts about it. He's been Saturday Night Live with it. It's just even when he played Boss Baby, he still did. 
the I just got something right Saturday Night Live Peach Sweaty. Uh, that's what that that was on my list as well. Peach Sweaty and Peach Sweaty. Want to explain Peach Sweaty? He's he's invited onto a radio show, and the two ladies that are on it ask him about his um, bakery. His bakery and uh, the the goodies that he's brought into the studio and their peach sweaty's balls. They are. Everyone loves a sweet taste of my balls. That's correct. There's enough of my balls to go around, ladies. There we go. <laughs> peach sweaty. Yeah, Google it. It's funny. Oh, it's great. It's wonderful. But then we've got Alec Baldwin, the juror with Demi Moore. Yes, Demi Moore, who used to make movies. Last movie I saw her in was... Strip Tease, 2004. It's like when Burt Reynolds was around. It's like, anyway, obviously he doesn't want to make films anymore. He was in The Getaway with Kim Basinger. Basinger, I say Basinger. You say potato, say potato. Um, no one says got, potato. Well, the song does. So somebody does somewhere. Um, so she was in that with Alec Baldwin because they were going out. Uh, it was in Notting Hill. It was the boyfriend. It was Julie Roberts' boyfriend that surprised <gasps> her. Of course, hey, yes. He turns up at the hotel when this. she's just invited uh, Hugh Grant back for a bit of uh, right. Coffee. And he pretends that he's the uh, reporter. No, he pretends he's the oh the waiter. Hotel the waiter. Butler. That's yeah, right. Concierge, yeah, concierge, just checking. Yeah. yeah, you get butlers in the hotels, don't you? <laughs> Jeez, is there any chance you could fix me a cheese toasty? You do That's get okay. butlers in hotels. You don't get butlers in hotels. You do. You don't. You do. In the very you, posh hotels, you have your own butler. Well, something if you want to tell the, me. If you've got the dosh, you get a butler. Is this what you've got to tell me about my 50th? Oh, butler. Oh, he says wiping away a tear. That'd be lovely. Right. No, it wouldn't be. I wouldn't want somebody to wait over me. Um, I've got you, sweetheart. Anyway, bless you. Um, sure how to take that in the right in the right way mm. uh he's he's a narrator Moving on. He, he takes the ringo star um spot because he narrates thomas the tank engine in the U- in the u.s all oh, right okay was that because yep. no one could understand ringo star well i don't know what you mean um he's in right. 30 rock he was in 30 rock didn't that was his it. most famous one i'd watched it it was all right i didn't go through it all uh, Rock of Ages in Tom with Tom Cruise, Russell Brand. Yes, didn't see that either. Just watch it. Just watch it once. That's all I say. You'll only ever want to watch it once, but you'd be glad that you've watched it once. Uh, he's the voice of Boss Baby, uh, and there we go, Alec Baldwin. Oh, Boss Baby. That's yeah. the... He's the he's the baby. He's the voice of the baby. Thing with yeah, that's random. Yeah, well, it's Alec Baldwin, and he's famous for his Donald Trump impression, but. I stopped watching Saturday Night Live because it's just one trick pony. Um, Gina Davis. Now you say you don't, I'll just go through this. Um, uh, with the the fly, with Jeff Goldblum, they were going out uh, mm. together at the time. They also made Earth Girls Are Easy with Jeff Goldblum, um, which is a great film. You need to check that out. I watched Thelma and Louise. That's on the list. Yep. You got that was a good and Louise. movie. It actually. is a good movie. Yeah. But the, one of the in a sea of films, I'm going to ask you to check out. I've got to tell you, and we will cover it at some point. Watch the Accidental Tourist with Gina Davis, um, Kathleen Turner, and William Hurt. That's my recommendation. Watch the Accidental Tourist. It's I love that film. Um, Thelma and Louise, 
uh, a pre-Pirates of the Caribbean uh, cutthroat island with Matthew Modine. I remember watching that. She was very good. She's better than Kira Knightley, but then that's not difficult. Um, another Gina it's Davis. So harsh sometimes. Well, too. Remember what did Mark Kermode call her? IKEA Knightley. <gasps> and I'm like, yes, she is pretty wooden. <laughs> she is. Uh, she is pretty wooden. Anyway, um, another film I'm going to tell you to check out simply because I haven't watched it. And when I wrote it down today, I went, I've got to watch this over the next few days. The Long Kiss Goodnight. Do you remember that? Has that got Helen Mirren in it? It hasn't. Which one am I thinking of? The Long Good Friday. Yeah. Long Kiss Goodnight. She basically um, has uh, knocks her head protecting a family and realises that she's actually an assassin in real life. Um, And it's, it's, it's just brilliant. I just cannot fault that film. So um, from that, from this Gina Davis revival that was happening, she got her own show. She got the Gina show. Didn't last long. Lasted eight episodes. But <laughs> lasted more than Davina McCall's chat show over here, which was three, I think. Uh, people watched the first one and went, but you might be able to present Big Brother, but you ain't no chat show host. Um, she's in the wonderful series Commander-in-Chief, where she plays President Mackenzie Allen. Uh Oh, Donald Sutherland's in it. Watch that next. It's just in a... We, we we scroll through Netflix and just find rubbish. It's just nothing. And then I think I should just go back to these shows that I really enjoyed and haven't seen for years and years. Um, she's in Grey's Anatomy. It's about time you start re- restarting West Wing, isn't it? It's around that sort of time there, yeah. Mm. I'm probably a bit overdue for the eighth time. Mm. Uh, Grey's Anatomy, and she was in a show that you watched, but I didn't, called Glow. She in Glow? She is in Glow. Okay, well, obviously left a mark on you in that way, then, yeah. Um, Don't remember seeing her in Glow. That's not to say she wasn't in it. Well, She wasn't, she wasn't one of the wrestlers. Well, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> Um, I didn't watch it. Didn't watch it. Um, Annie McKenzie. uh, uh, She is, sorry, Annie McEnroe. um, You cannot be serious. She was the estate agent. Um, Shall I wait while you you find out what she was in Glow? So this is great for the people that are watching on YouTube, but I'm going to have to keep talking for the people who are watching on audio, unless you want to hear, like, typing in. To pictures of Gina Davis in Glow. Are you ready? This is going to take about three seconds, and then she's going to go, oh, her. Three, two, one. Nope. Google not working. Yeah, but... Right. But first you'll have to... Oh, listen, Google's, Google's kicking off on the phone. Well, right. Anyway... No. I don't, right. don't remember in. She is in it, but I don't remember her being in it. So Fine, it can't be back, that big of a excellent. Back in the room, um, Annie McEnroe, uh, the estate agent. She's passerby. She's played not many roles, and you would expect her to because I thought she was quite good. Um, she's passerby four in Born on the Fourth of July. <laughs> she's woman at birthday in Wall Street Two. Money never sleeps, but. She's in Running Scared, which we which we did, and I couldn't remember her character. 
And even IMDb couldn't bring up a character. So, but she was in it. She's in a film that we covered. Anyway, on to more popular, Catherine O'Hara. Tell me about Catherine O'Hara. What's she most famous for? Is this the Kevin's mum from Home Alone? That's right. Kevin's mum from Home Alone. Yes. But weirdly, the bit in Home Alone, which I love, where John Candy offers to give her a lift home, and you must have heard of me, the polka king of the you know, the, the Midwest, um, polka, polka, polka. Um, she starred with John. I didn't realise this until I researched it. She actually start, started working with John Candy in the TV um, Saturday Night Live equivalent called Second City. And I Googled it and they worked brilliantly together. No wonder they it must be like meeting each other on set and going, hey, how you doing? And just like going straight into it. Uh, she's in Betsy's Wedding with Molly Ringwald and Alan Alder. She's brilliant in that. Forgot about that. She's Wyatt Earp's um, wife in the Kevin Costner one. Uh, she's in Best in Show. But hey, crazy kids, listen to this. To her, to, to you, to, to the millennials and the Gen Zs out there, She's probably the woman in uh, Shits Creek, spelt S C H I T S Creek, um, which is a series that's got been five seasons. Um, it also stars Eugene Levy, um, who was in the last film that we did, which was National Lampoon's Vacation. See, see how all these little thing, things come together. Little nuggets. Little nuggets. They're all like. You know, why Why wouldn't you? The talent that was on the show. Anyway, on to your favourite, Jeffrey Jones. Yes. Now, you had a chuckle. You had a, you had a nice, warm glow about you as soon as you saw him come into the film. Mm. And you're like, yeah. And I thank you, Jeffrey Jones, if you're listening. If you're getting curious and going, type into Spotify and get this. And please listen to Howard the Duck. We loved you in that. We loved you in Ferris. We just love you. Right? Okay, that's fine. But, you know... There is a there is a nice. I've got to tell you that it was a nice. You're great to watch. Um, and speaking to Joe, he went. His my favourite film of his is Amadeus, where he played King Rupert. And you're like, I need to go and watch that again. Then I need to I've go. Never and watch. seen Amadeus. Oh, oh well, Joe said that you'd love it. Is that anyway. the um, the film that Falco did the theme tune for? No, <laughs> Falco. Oh. No, Falco didn't do the theme tune to anything. I thought he did. No, he just cap- he just capitalised on what was going on at the time. People were talking about Amadeus. He comes up with Rock Me Amadeus. Do, do you know, if I did some research, Falco's probably spitting out his tea at this point, going, excuse me, I thought of that in 1979. Right? Amadeus has been around, Mozart's been around for a lot longer than a film that was made <laughs> in, I believe, 1984. But anyway, um, let's hope I'm right. Um, Jeffrey Jones Amadeus Amadeus Ferris Howard the Duck he stars with John Candy and Who's Harry Crumb with That's Why We'll Do It because it'll have Jeffrey Jones and John Candy in it <laughs> how can you fail um, Edward he's in The Devil's Advocate with uh, uh, Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino uh, he's in the series Deadwood which we've got to watch which we've now got and we can watch so he's in Edward and Deadwood Edward and Edward and Deadwood. <laughs> but when he bumped into Alec Baldwin on the set of Hunt for Red October, it's a little Beetlejuice reunion mm. because he skipped Tyler, who we keep talking about every time we talk about Jeffrey Jones, which is 
the guy that gives him the advice on the Caterpillar drive that the Russians have. He's the um, uh, foreman at the shipyard where the submarines are built. Skip Tyler. Oh, Jeffrey Jones in that. He's in it for three and a half minutes, but I remember it every single time. Um, Winona Ryder. Give, give me anything. What have you got? Edward Scissorhands. Excellent. I'm not going to do the three because I don't think you'll get there, but you might. I don't know. Was she in the, one of the Adams family? She wasn't. Oh. No. Okay. She um, wasn't. She's in um, the one with the Sheep Sheep song with Cher. Mermaids, yeah. That's Whoa. the one. Wait a minute. Are you going to go for three? Dr- oh. I'll have to put a drum roll. Wait a minute. Hopefully, no, I'll no, no, don't it. do that. Don't right, do that. Okay. I can't remember. All right. You did, yes. Sorry, it's, right. it's my computer talking to me. Um, Better that than the voices in your head. Winona Ryder. I know she's in Stranger Things. Does that there count? There you go. Three, three. Yay! I will put a drum roll in. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll go and put one in. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, this was only her third film uh, that she ever did. Yeah, she's quite young, isn't she? She is. But then she goes on to star with Glenn Shaddix, who played Otho um, in Heathers. Ah, oh, Heathers. Heathers is great. Heathers and Christian Slater and her. She's in Great Balls of Fire. She plays Jerry Lee Lewis's um, niece, who he marries uh, underage. Uh, Edward Scissorhands, she's in Reality Bites. That's a great film. She's in Dracula. Hey, geek fans, she's in Alien Resurrection. Uh, she's in Star Trek, the read the J.J. Abrams reboot in 2008. Don't remember that. Yeah, she played the Vulcan. She was one of the Vulcans. I think she was Spock's, was she Spock's mum? Uh, and yeah, she was in Stranger Things. Um, Glenn Shaddix, who's Otis. Uh, uh, Otho, sorry. Um, he was in Heathers. He was in Sleepwalkers. That's a good film. That's a really good Halloweeny film to watch. Uh, that's got Machen Amick from uh, 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 Twin Peaks in it. Um, and Tim Burton brings it back for Planet of the Apes. So he's in that as well. Last bits, honestly. Patrice Martinez, the receptionist. She's only had one other thing of note, and we've covered it on Rusty Junk. Did she appear familiar in any way? Who are you talking about? The receptionist in the uh, waiting room of the dead. The... I Anything? kind of remembered her. Right. Okay. It wasn't Ferris, was it? No. No. Uh, no. Uh... Oh, that was me. No. She was um, Carmen in The Three Amigos, who contracts the... Three amigos to come and help her rid the village of El Guapo. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have got that. I I didn't get that until I had to look through it. I was like, blimey. That's pretty uh, cool, though. It is. Um, She's changed uh, a bit, then. She has. Jeffrey Jones is um, uh, investor who comes over for the final scene. Mm. That's Robert Goulet. Uh, you, you, you Instantly, you look at his face and go, either... That's the guy from Scrooged uh, with Bill Murray, only because it's Robert Goulet's old-fashioned Cajun Christmas, and he's he's on the punt, um, and he's been followed by the crocodile. Um, 
not blinking, you miss it. I remember it from that. But he's also Quentin Hapsburg in Naked Gun Two and a Half. He's the main villain in that. Love it. He's also the voice of Wheezy the Penguin from Toy Story. Oh. But not not only when Wheezy sings. Okay. Yeah. So. So he's not got a breathing problem then. No, but he can sing. Okay. Uh, Dick Cavett played um, uh, Catherine O'Hara's agent. Um, he's famous for Nightmare on Elm Street 3. He was a talk show host at the time in America, um, more respected, more well-known over there. But he's the one that's on TV. He's watching He's watching her. She drifts off. She wakes up and sees him on TV. And Dick Cavett becomes Freddy Krueger. Brilliant. And lastly, um, I didn't know this, uh, but Dwayne, Dwayne Dans, he's one of the football players that's dead in the waiting room of the dead in her office, in Juno's office. And he's got one line, and I can't remember what he said. But he's not he's, the one that needs to go to the loo, is he? No, uh, I can't remember. That might be the line. I, I do anyway. I can't remember. Um, but he's he's remembered. As soon as I saw that, I went, "Oh, he's from summer school," which we were going to cover. He's the guy that goes to the toilet at the start of the film. Comes, you don't see him again because he takes the hall pass with the toilet key, and you never see him. But at the end when all the students are totting the grades up, he gets the most grades and you never see him. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, there we go. That's roll call. Big roll call, but it's worth it. On to Beetlejuice. So set the scene for us. What happens? What happens at the start? Well, the, the cameras... Well, I take panning, a drink. Oh, the cameras are panning in on a scene and, and you think it's kind of like the village that they've gone to live in. But it's not. It's actually a model hmm. of the village. Um, oh, and uh, one thing I noticed, actually, just kind of changing the subject slightly, but keeping it on the film. Okay. Um, the characters—is it the Maitlands? The Maitlands, they're the, yeah. Yeah, they're they're the people that that move into the house that end up like dying. Um, no, no, they, they they they've lived there for a long time. He's got a hardware store in town. Yeah, but um, they haven't been there that long now, have they? They have. They've made the place their own. That's why they're they're oh. so gutted when the new people come in. They, oh. they were going to take their vacation at home so they could do it up. Oh, okay. Well, um, have you noticed that they're quite normal? They're actually very normal people, whereas the, the family that move in from New York... Oh, yeah. She's mad as a box of frogs yes. and, and completely, <laughs> you know, out there with her artwork, which is actually quite rubbish. I was going to say really I rude. I kind of like some of it. Really rude word then. Okay. Um, and then, like, the daughter's, like, completely dark. Yeah. And then We are the skipping husband, ahead a bit, but okay. Yeah, but the husband, he's, he's quite, he's normal-ish. But he's right. trying to relax and have a normal family, but in the midst of his wife being right. a complete control freak and his daughter being very dark, hmm. he's not going to achieve what he wants to set out to achieve, don't think. I think if he was just left in a room on his own, not being bothered by anyone else, he'd be fine. Right. Um, but I just noticed that 
difference in characters that they set out like the the couple are quite normal and this other family are not that normal yeah and it's quite bizarre because they want to get the ghosts basically want to get the adults and the the normal we are skipping ahead a bit here but yeah out of the house okay um uh, it's just something that came to me anyway. It's all right. I thought we set the scene. I think we're about a third of the way through the film. But Sorry. It's all right. Um, Alec Baldwin um, uh, and Gina Davis are, the Maitlands are spending their time at home. Uh, they knit down to the hardware store. They pass the bridge with a cabin, like a roof over it. Um, they go to the hardware store, pick up the things they need. They swerve to hit a dog. The car goes into the, over the bridge. The dog on a piece of, on the plank steps off and the car goes into the river and they're dead. Um, and they're in the house. Um, before all this happens, what was the, can you remember the very rude thing that the estate agent came around? He's, he's trying to get them to sell this place because it's too big for them. Do you remember what the estate agent says? Um, well, then, then I can tell you. The estate agent says, you know, you need to sell this place. It's far too big for you. This What this place needs is a family. And I thought, how rude. What did you think? Yeah, it said um, it, it wasn't the estate agent, was it? It was it their was friend. His, yeah, she's the, she's the estate agent. Well, okay. I didn't think she was. Because at the end, when, when they die, you can see Jane, whatever, real estate. That's the for sale sign on it. Oh, okay. Um, the house is too big. It should be for family with children. Yeah. Horrible. And you're thinking, oh, okay. All right. um, Brilliant. She'd, she'd uh, had an offer of $275,000 and it was um, too good an opportunity to miss. <laughs> Try buying that for that there. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Wow. Um they it becomes a bit of a surprise to them. You know, they don't freak out when they realise that they're dead. They can't see their reflection, for example. They're putting their hands near the, you know, in the fire and their fingertips, as you might have seen in the trailer if you watch it on YouTube, her fingertips are, are, are fire. Um, he tries to go outside of the house, um, you know, and he gets into a desert full of sandworms and stuff, and he's dragged back in. And when he's dragged back in, there's no sense of time. He's been he's been there for about 30, 20 seconds. But when he's pulled back in, it's two hours. Now, that's important because when they leave the house area, time seems to move on, uh, yeah, move on quicker when they, when they return. Um, but there's a handbook there that says handbook for the recently deceased. Um, and it's interesting because they wonder whether or not they're halfway between heaven and hell. I'm not thinking, okay, we'll get it into some sort of, uh, um, you know, ethereal discussion now about where they are and, you know, what, what it is. Um, but they also look in the paper and they see, you know, that they, that um, an advert pops out of the paper that's there for Beetlejuice, the bio exerciser. Um, not as in swimming or weightlifting, but exorcism. Um, but th- the weird thing is, is that they've got this, they've got this model town, and the model town's upstairs. And they realise that they can't leave the house. They realise they can't do an awful lot. They look out the window. They see the estate agent with her daughter, dressed in black, paying their respects. 
as I said, the camera pans out and it's her that's the real estate agent. So it's quite clear that she's she's sold the house. But where did they get the 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 the, the, the cemetery bit in the model village has mourners and wreaths by it with their names on it? I thought, well, who built that? I thought that was a bit odd, as if I don't know if the the, the the village thing was supposed to take on a life of itself, life of its own, and just dynamic. <coughs> pardon me, dynamically reflect what's going on out there. Because it's I know it was all a bit. There's all a bit, yeah, wasn't it really? And then when <laughs> Beetlejuice is in the in the model as well, and yeah. then he interacts with them, and it, yeah. yeah, it's a bit weird. So next thing you fit, next thing you see is. The new people are moving in. They get woken up. They're in bed. They get woken up by people coming around the house and they realise they can't be seen. They are ghosts. Um, And then you get this wonderful performance by both Jeffrey Jones, Catherine O'Hara, the guy who plays Otho. Um, It's just brilliant because Jeffrey Jones just wants a place of his own. He doesn't want all this arty stuff. He doesn't want the hustle and bustle of city life anymore, does he? No, he doesn't. And he loves it. And he, you know, and he's, and you think, did you ever stop to think how these two got together? Did she just see him for his money? I don't know. Well, because you're like, what? They're not very well matched, are they? No, they're not at all. But at this point, you don't know that Winona Ryder is Jeffrey Jones's daughter and that Catherine O'Hara is her stepmother. Hmm. So you feel it's pretty close. They're, 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 they're kind of close. Did you get that? No. The two of them. You didn't get that. Right, okay. Oh, perhaps I just saw something maybe that wasn't there. Uh, Winona Ryder does what Winona Ryder... Win, can I say it three times? <laughs> Beetle, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. No! Um, oh, well, he's here now. Um, but Winona Ryder plays the surly teenager and the gothic teenager perfectly. I mean, she's great. She's got a range of acting as Winona Ryder, I think. I think she's great in Stranger Things. I think she's great in Reality Bites. I think she's great in when she puts her mind to it. Um, and Edward Scissorhands, you know, it's a beautiful film. Um, but yeah, I think she plays it really well. But Jeffrey Jones has his own room that he doesn't want touched. So he's in there. And meanwhile... Um, Otho, Catherine, uh, Catherine O'Hara are going through the house, going, spraying cans. She's spraying mauve, as you might have seen in the trailer if you're watching. Um, and she sprays mauve on there because that's the colour that she wants it and it's all going to be. Um, and they're looking around and they're, Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis are trying to scare them away. And at this point, they realise, you know, oh, can they be seen? So one of the rooms they you know she's cut his Alec Baldwin's head off and it's standing there and she's got like blood and stuff they can't see her but surely they'd be able to see the knife because the knife was a real thing so it should have just been hanging in the air I was intrigued as to how they knew how to do that yes did it not even more intriguing that when they open the closet yeah and Otho goes and they both go oh like that she's in there with a noose around her head if she doesn't exist, how can he push her away? Because mm. he went, this closet, oh, God, what a scare. This closet's far too small. And you're like, 
that's what he's reacting to because he can't see Gina Davis. So how can he push her aside? Unless, oh, anyway, don't think I'm thinking too much more into it. <laughs> um, but anyway, Charles, Jeffrey Jones plays Charles. I should remember that. Um, leave the room alone. Um, and they have their first meal in the house. You start to see the dynamics between them. It isn't great. It's a bit of a dysfunctional family in there. We then get to the workmen moving in. Um, you know, I, I, I think that there are, at this at this point, you're thinking, I can see why it's a PG, you know, because this is all right. This is, you know, I mean, apart from the cutting off the head, it all looks fake. I don't know if that's suitable for parental guidance, as in Amy going to the cinema to see it on her own at 11. I think that might have been quite a shock. Um, and spoiler alert, it's one of the few films that are rated PG in the 80s that have uh, the F word in it. I won't say it because I have to tick the box that says explicit. Yeah, that explicit. But um, PG, Big, Big was another film with Tom Hanks. Use the F word. You know, like, that, these, are, these are odd choices that you wouldn't have thought Beetlejuice did. He says it once. Michael Keaton says it once. Um, didn't anyway, notice that. it turns out um, it turns out that Winona Ryder can see them. So she spots them. She um, gets the master key. So the estate agent comes back and says, oh, you've asked for the master key. This key will open up any anywhere in the house. She gets that. She goes upstairs to see them. Meanwhile, they have drawn a door in order to get to the waiting room, because the handbook says that that's what they should do. And Alec Baldwin is trying to do that. They get into the waiting room. She comes in, sees, Winona Ryder comes in, sees the model, and they are now in the waiting room. Can you explain the waiting room, what that looked like? <coughs> well, it's full of people that have died. In the exact <coughs> point in which they died, the exact state in which they died. Hmm. Yeah. The, 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 the one I thought was quite funny is the one that's burnt to a crisp that then like offers, offers, him a, offers cigarette. Him a cigarette, <laughs> lights it, starts having a puff. <laughs> You've got the um, magician's assistant, I thought, which was good. He was sawn in half. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Ah, and right. weirdly. So her, tr- her trunk and top part is on one side and her legs are on the other side. So. Absolutely. And, <laughs> triv- and I know a bit of trivia. Half. Those legs were Tim Burton's girlfriend oh. at the time. <laughs> so maybe they met on it. I didn't get that far. But but yeah, you've got the guy with the shrunken head. Oh, he's obviously, yeah. yeah. And then you find out at the end how he's got the shrunken head. You, you do. You do. It's a very good scene. It's a very good scene. Um, but they get a caseworker. They get an appointment with Juno, their caseworker. Um, it's Jun- Juno finally sees them and, you know, um, they said, don't say his name. They said, oh, we've seen this guy called Beetlejuice. He's going to help us get these people out of the house because they can't see us. So we're going to need some bigger guns on this. Juno doesn't offer a lot of advice. And she's fact, kept saying, read the manual, read the manual. Read the manual, right? You know, she says, oh, don't say his name. He doesn't work well with others. He used to be my assistant, but he went freelance. Mm-hmm. Um. So she said, fine, go and remove them yourself. Don't get Beetlejuice to do it. And you're like, I remember writing and I've written in capital letters, Juno is rubbish, no help at all. (laughs) Because 
They go, well, yeah, but if she how did help them, there'd it? be no need for Beetlejuice. She doesn't like Beetlejuice. She should be putting them out of business. Yeah, but if she helped them, yeah. there'd be no need for them to have Beetlejuice. So there'd be no film. Oh, true. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, Beetlejuice would have to you know, get it from somewhere else. But anyway, <laughs> so we're seeing this and we're going, right, okay. And then we cut to Jeffrey Jones and he's talking to Robert Goulet, the investment guy, and going, oh, this is a real big investment, this place. We can buy the whole town and we can we can do things. So because Juno's told them to go and scare them, what do they do next? Bear yeah. in mind, she's been in a closet hanged. She's had Alec Baldwin's head in her hand with a knife in the other. What did they do after that? Remind me. I can't remember. They cut holes in Catherine O'Hara's curtains. Oh, yeah. When they get back into the house, it's all done up because they've been away for three months. So they've been in in there for like five, ten minutes. It comes back and it's three months and it's all been, you know, arranged apart from the one room Jeffrey Jones wants. Um, And I thought... If they can't manipulate objects, how did they cut the holes in the curtains? Um, and the so, weird yeah. thing is, later on in the film, they're they're redecorating the attic. How can they do that? It's well, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe they've mastered some art of being able to hold an object. In which case, you would see the knife at the start in midair. Sorry, mm. but yeah. Anyway. Um, so, um, Winona Ryder sees these. Um, they, they try to scare everybody. Catherine Harris passed out drunk. Um, uh, or no, she'd taken, she'd taken diazepam or, or, or whatever it was. Um, and Winona Ryder takes photos with them with the, with the curtains on because you realize mum will go spare that you've uh, she's going mad the fact you cut holes in her curtains. They said, You can see us. You know, and she takes pictures, and the pictures show there's nothing below them. So there's they are ghosts, hmm. just sheets hanging around. Um, and yeah, so what I've got there is it says that it says you need to tell you need to tell them that we're real. You need to tell them that the ghosts are real. Um, and she doesn't. And at this point, they're just. Nobody seems to be going to help us. So what do they do? They, what do they say three times? Not doing it. B, B, B. Hmm. And suddenly they are thrust into the model where Beetlejuice is there. Now, considering somebody's got an advert in there for these services, what I find is very odd. They make them do about, presumably, about an hour, half an hour, an hour's worth of digging hmm. to get to the coffin in Beetlejuice's grave, in which he appears in all which of his glory. Which is the model. So which is the model. They're miniature, yeah. and they're having to dig into the model, which is really bizarre. It's very bizarre. It's very bizarre. But it's a good scene, isn't it? Where he goes, you know, can I have you, you know, can I have you, your resume? You know, can I have your experience? Yes. Well, I studied at, uh, studied at Juilliard for three years. You know, I've got, I've seen The Exorcist about 157 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Um, <laughs> and you just think, this is great. I, I do like his performance. But you're right, he's got like a branch and he's lifting a skirt up and all this sort of stuff, and he's pinching her on the bum. And 
trying to kiss yeah, her trying as Trying well. to kiss her. He could, well, he does. He kisses her right. That's the first thing he does. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And grabs hold of her and stuff. We yeah, are in really we are grim. in the we are in the era of consent. So yes. Um but yeah, this is 1988. So I, I you know, I'm done making yeah, we'll call it out and say that obviously it it does when you watch it with eyes, it does make you feel a little bit un- uncomfortable, but it doesn't take away from look at this guy's performance. Michael Keaton ad lib 90% of his lines. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. And it works because it works. Um but anyway, so he basically says, oh, you do it. They get a really odd feeling about the guy. So she then says, how do we get out of this? Home, home, home. And they come out of it. And Beetlejuice is like, oh, you losers. That's where he says his F word because he pushes the tree over. Um, oh. Right. Um, so The weird thing is he's still stuck in the model. Yes, he's still stuck why, in the Why isn't he actually outside in the village, in the yeah. cemetery? Yeah. Why is he in the model? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Don't get it. Whoops. Really don't get that. Yeah, so then they come up with a plan. The The Maitlands come up with a plan. Um, was it their plan for the Deo scene? For the for the, well, when nobody the knows because it wasn't talked about beforehand. No, uh, Winona Ryder was was talking about because she'd read the manual, hadn't she? Yes. Whilst they'd been in the waiting room, etc., she'd read the manual because so much time had passed in real life. Yeah. That she then gave him like, oh no, you've got to do better than that. And I think she she talked to them about what else could. They could do because she's not affected by that. No, and and that's another good scene. It's probably one of the best scenes in the film with the day. Yeah, the um, the dance scene with the with the meal and the they all get possessed (laughs) and they all they all do something to add to this song and it's great. It's wonderful. Um, but instead of forcing them out, um, I mean, you've got um Harry Belafonte, you know, with um. Deo song, uh, what's it called? The uh, Banana Boat song. Um, Is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's a great scene. Everyone's working well. Jeffrey Jones, they're obviously Tim Burton's just behind the camera and going, just do your own thing to this music. You are p- being possessed. So just go with it. And uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Jones is nice little. <laughs> that's all the soft shoe shuffle was very uh very welcome but yeah it was great but instead of forcing them out it's a hit and now they believe that mm. there are there are ghosts in there uh winona rider says they don't want to come down um and i always rem- i love the line well fine they're, they're dead it's a little late to start being neurotic i thought well, that was good the agent doesn't believe them despite the fact they said well what just happened here um, and so he says, he's a, uh, she's a, you're a flake. You, you, your sculptures will come to nothing and, and off he pops. So they go and find the ghosts. Um, but they disappear. Otho finds the handbook. They come out of the attic. And here's the most puzzling bit of the film. If Beetlejuice hasn't been paid and he hasn't got a contract and they haven't agreed to anything, why does he start 
he does this really weird banister goes into a snake, goes into Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice's face on it, terrorizing them, drops Jeffrey Jones from a height. You know, everything's you know, everything's going. Why is he doing it for free? Just because he he likes to meddle in stuff, I think. And he's not he's not been hired for ages. Well, he's got a bad business model then, because he's got no contract. So he's just he just says, Would you like me to do it? No. Well, I'll just do it anyway then. When word gets out <laughs> I think it's hard for them to get rid of him because he's in the model. Yeah, but he's in the model because he can he can leave the model at any time. But he's just there though, isn't he? Well, yeah, but it's not a case of, I mean, the way that they distract him and the way that they keep it, keep it going is Gina Davis comes out, sees it and says his name three times, which puts him back in the model. And when he gets in there, um, you know, you see him Juno. in a crash, crash car, but Juno creates this nightclub, strip club for him. Yeah. So to keep him occupied. Mm. Yeah. Because if he's not occupied, he'll just like run amok, which is what he did, did with the snake and the banister and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so back to Juno. Juno's going, where's the handbook? Otho's got the handbook. Now, in all the people that have ever died, they've never lost a handbook before. Because I find that incredible. I'm like, See, this has never happened before, but apparently... Then the film, if you're wondering about the PG and you're listening to us at the moment, I'd say some of the bits are a bit scary. There is there are hands that come out at the day the 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 scene and it's all very good. The reason why it's not a PG is because of what happens next. Winona Ryder starts to want to kill herself. Mm-hmm. And you do wonder why this is in there. Because the only thing that I've got is that she wants to go over to their side. She wants to go to them. Now, is this because she doesn't like a, you know, she doesn't like a mum? It, it's all a bit confusing. She's writing in there, just like she does in Heather's, by the way. She grabs the pen in the same way and starts furiously writing down in the diary. And it's like, I am alone. And the thought, She's writing a suicide note. Mm. Okay. Um, but but this happens while they're seeing Juno. And Juno's going, right, okay. So tell me how you, you've got to get them out of the house. Tell them how tell us how you're going to get them out of the house. Well, what do they do? They manipulate the faces into things. And I'm like, I think Juno needs to be sacked as a caseworker. <laughs> because they can't see them. It doesn't matter if they're 50 foot. It doesn't matter if they're 50 foot giants. They can't see them. So it doesn't matter what they look like. No. And she goes, oh, they're very good. Oh, that looks good. Yeah, that looks great. Can't see them. So, yeah, Juno, do one. You're fired. Yeah, because it's only going to scare Winona Ryder, isn't it? That's right, which it does because they come out and realise that they are. They're still like that, yeah. And, you know, they talk to both of them. They, you know, and she says that she wants to die. Um, And Beetlejuice is like, you know, I, you know, I can help you. You know, I can get rid of him. I can make it, you know, I can make it, I can get, 
I can make it happen, but only if you marry me. Ah, that's that's um, when they start to do the exorcism, though. And she yes. needs to help them. Yes, that's right. Okay, yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, so the investors arrived. Um, Jeffrey Jones has done a presentation about it. Uh, they tell them about the ghosts, because obviously that's why they're there. Mm. Otho uses the handbook. And meanwhile, Winona Ryder has summoned Beetlejuice because um, Otho has used the handbook with the wedding outfits on the table to resurrect them, to take them from the, the attic, you know, a bit like Back to the Future, they start disappearing and they reappear on the table. But because they're now in the real world, they age very quickly. Hmm. So Winona Ryder says, we're going to need some backup. And he says, only if you marry me. So she says his name three times and Beetlejuice appears and says, I'm going to help you. They're aging rapidly. Otho's um, way of being scared is Beetlejuice takes him out of his dark and red suit and puts him in a light blue sort of Forrest Gump style. You know, Ben Stiller at the start, something about Mary prom suit, um, the, the colour. And that's that's that scares him. And you think, oh, that's great. You've got Robert Goulet's there with his wife. Um, and, oh, I forgot. She was in Roll Call. The, the, you won't remember her. She was the one with the big hair. Um, uh, she was the uh, waitress in uh, Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Sorry, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, that. Yeah. Anyway, they they he Beetlejuice appears as a circus with a merry-go-round on his head, um, and two two unravels of which he like a strongman thing where you hit the thing and hit the bell. He hits that, the couple disappear, you know, and and then they're left with the marriage. He goes right. I've done my done my bit now. Uh, I think you need to marry you. So he summons this priest, little small creature thing that comes out in order to marry them. Um, but they realise that if they, as Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin start getting back to where they were and, de, you know, de-de-aging, um, they need to say his name three times to put him back in his box. Um, they can't. Gina Davis gets a zip on her mouth. She manages to say it once. She says it twice. 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 He puts a clamp, like a metal clamp over her mouth. Um but they're all trying to say his name and then the teeth disappear and there's teeth rattling around and stuff like this. And what happens? Well, she gets banished, Gina Davis, doesn't she? Get banished to the outside the house. So That's it's right. sandworms are. Yeah. Um, and then you don't see her until like the, the sort until of final right the part. And she comes bashing in, into this, out of this realm, into the other, and the snake eats Beetlejuice. The sand, sorry, the sandworm. Eats Beetlejuice. Hmm. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that's that's how he's gonna get, that's how he's gonna meet his end. I mean, he doesn't meet his end. How can how can how does that work? Does the sandworm go, oh, I am gonna go back to that desert planet that I'm infested on, and you know, a bit like the Phantom Zone in Superman 2 that they can't break out of. And you're kind of like, okay, don't need to know. It's fine. After that, 
you see Winona Ryder, she's all dressed up normally, de-gothed. She looks weird. She looks better as a goth. She's got. She's got. She's coming home from school, and you find out that they all live together in the house. And Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis are helping with schoolwork because they're celebrating the fact that she got an A in maths. And you've got Jeremy Jones going, "Ooh, that sounds like sounds like she got an A in a maths test." I'm like, okay. That's how the film ends. Apart from you cut back into the waiting room, Beetlejuice has a ticket number, which is like <laughs> nine trillion and you know, whatever, whatever in line. And the guy next to him, who's the witch doctor, has got the number four. The ticket. And the ticket thing goes being up. served is at number three. Number three. So he he manages to say, look over there and, and mix it. And the witch doctor obviously sees that, takes out some sprinkles and sprinkles it on Beetlejuice's head. Um, and I'm like, so Beetlejuice, so what What we're essentially supposed to realise is Beetlejuice can't die. Hasn't died at that point, yeah. Can't die. Well, he hasn't died at that point. He's not been processed. But he's already dead. He's not rested then, because he's but, not been processed. Uh, but he's a freelance. Okay, I, I, to my mind, it just felt like it's it'll just always go around and around. Anyway, we're doing actually quite well because I thought at this point we'd be up to like an hour and a half, but we're about an hour and ten, I think. So yeah, I mm. think we've got a nice, nice lot of time for trivia time. Any, I mean, we'll go into trivia time if you want because I think it might be a nice, um, nice segue, in and we can talk about some of the some of the aspects of that. But yeah, on reflection and all of that, yeah, I'm still going to say seven. I still Mm. think seven is fair. And I can see it from your point of view that six is fair. So yeah, I think so. Um, Anyway, shall we wonderfully segue into trivia time? Okay, here we go. This is trivia time. Trivia time. Did you know that the studio originally wanted to call the film House Ghosts? Oh, that's a mouthful. As a joke, Tim Burton suggested the name Scared Sheepness and was horrified when the studio said, yeah, okay, that sounds... He's like, no, 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 it's only a joke. It's only a joke, I didn't mean it. Um, according to Michael Keaton, the Beetlejuice character was described to him by Tim Burton as having lived in every time period, but no time period. Keaton used this as a jumping off point to create the character with such features as a shock hairdo, mold makeup and large teeth. He said that when he first showed up to the set as Beetlejuice, the crew were chanting, juice, 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 juice. And Keaton got excited for the role. He wasn't that enthused, which we'll get to in a moment. But I have some great statistics. And one of them is about Cash in the Attic, which is which we'll get to, and you'll be able to explain to the listeners, especially our non-UK listeners, what Cash in the Attic is. Here's the first statistic, which isn't Cash in the Attic. Beetlejuice was the first DVD sent out by Netflix in 1998. It was the first DVD that was chosen when Netflix were a, where you where you could rent the DVDs as opposed to streaming. 
Was that what they did? Oh, sorry, kids. Yeah, it was like love film and all of those sorts of things. That's what I didn't Netflix know that. Did. Yeah. So you didn't need to go into a blockbuster to get it. They would send it to you at home. And when you finished with it, you'd return you, it. You used to do that, didn't you? Who I did, did it you with go with? Love, I just say, yeah, I love film. Love film. Yeah. Ah. And it was great. I mean, you got, you got, you got teen. Well, I don't know if we've got teenagers listening to this. Yes, kids. It was physical media that you actually had to have. Okay. <laughs> you know. You can just go. Oh, but do you know like, what? I did did like going into blockbusters. Oh, I loved loved that experience. Having a look at all the new movies and like trying to bag a copy so you could get it on a Saturday, buy your popcorn. It was like massive bags, wasn't it, of popcorn yeah. as well? Yeah. And like they, they would really feel if you did that film and you could buy that, uh, not buy, but rent that film for that price or. Hmm. Or if you joined their membership, then, you know, you could have unlimited rentals and, and different things. Yeah, it was great. Really, really good. We had some good video stores. When we moved to Shropshire, uh, we had GT Video. So Arthur used to own GT Video. And Arthur would put all the films aside for me. So he'd get a three copies of each. He'd only be a very small store, but he'd have three copies of each. Mm. Five if it was a really big film. But then he had three. But he'd always put one away for me because i come in on a Friday. I collect all the films and I just watch them. But the amazing thing is, though, isn't it? I know we veered off the topic slightly, hmm. but those films that people like Blockbuster and the other companies and independent stores and stuff had to buy were hundreds of pounds each. Yeah. When they were first issued. So, yeah, I used to buy the secondhand videos and sometimes they'd have the sticker on them. That's it. And yeah. the sticker would be eighty nine ninety five Or more. Sometimes more. It was usually around that sort of price. And you'd be going, imagine, you know, that when you could, because there was a time where you could only rent um, because they were horrendously expensive to buy. Mm. And then they came down and then they started to come down at the end of the 80s where you could actually get them. And they were special edition. I remember getting the widescreen version of Alien and Die Hard when they came out. Uh, go and Google the the adverts for when, you know, the, the mid-90s um, reissues, think you've seen the whole of Die Hard, think again. And then it expanded out and the black lines would come at the top and the bottom and you go, brilliant. And it was in Dolby Surround. And you're like, it doesn't get to look much better than this. But then the setup that we've got downstairs is like Dolby Vision and, oh, 4K, 4K heaven. Uh, anyway, so amazing, yes, isn't it? it is. Yeah. And we can get any film we want now. Yeah, you could go and buy the rental copies of the videos, couldn't you? Once which, which I did. Sort of, once they'd had like uh, the shelf life had, had sort of disappeared and they only need like a couple of copies. Hmm. And they'd just literally sell off all the movies, that the copies that they'd, they were had to, to rent. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I bought them because I had a, for, for until I, I mean, you saw the videos I had when I first met you. Mm. Yeah, um, they're up in my mum's loft at the moment. They were. The majority of them, there's only a tiny box of them there because I chucked all them Tiny away. box. It is a tiny box. It's a tiny box of first editions of like, first edition VHSs of, two, 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 first editions of, of VHS Disney films. They're going to be worth something. Mm. Um, I bet they're all manky. But I had a wall. I had a wall, and basically, if I can remember, it was eight foot 
by about 14 feet because that's how many that I owned. I should actually, I'll scan a picture and I'll put it on our Facebook page of what our, the, the video will look like. But it followed me everywhere from the 80s because Arthur just used to um, uh, say to me, oh, I'm going to be reducing the, the videos. What, what, what are you going to be reducing? These. And I'll put them aside for you. On Boxing Day, I used to get driven in the mid-90s down to Blockbuster, which is at Shrewsbury, and go to their sale. And I'd come back with 40, 30 or 40 videos because I already just saved up to buy them. So anyway, we got off the point. Back to trivia time. Um, Catherine O'Hara met her future husband, um, production designer Bo Welsh, while making the film. According to Welsh, Tim Burton said he should ask her out near the end of the filming. He says, it didn't even occur to me I was even supposed to talk to the actors. But since Tim told me to do it, I did. We dated, were married, still are today. I know. I love that. I think she's great in that. Um, when Glenn Shaddix, who played Otho, died, sadly, in September 2010, the last song performed in his memorial was Deo, the Banana Boat song. So he'd obviously had fond memories of that and wanted it included in there. I thought it was great. Um the movie's box office success created plans for a sequel, Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. Uh, the script was commissioned. Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder both signed on to reprise their roles. Tim Burton lost interest in the project and went on to direct Batman and Batman Returns instead. Thank goodness is all I can say. <laughs> However much Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian, I'm not sure. I'd love to. I'll probably go and investigate what that script looks like. But anyway... As late as 2015, Warner Brothers was still trying to get the original sequel concept into production, so they still wanted to make Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. Um, so the 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 three films, uh, the four films that have the F word in that are PG, are Caddyshack Two, Big, and Spaceballs. So there you go. Um. Uh, according to the producer, the original ending was darker, um, ending with Renona Ryder's character dying in a fire and joining uh, Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis in the afterlife. Uh, they, cons- they changed it after considering the message it was sent to young people that death would be a happy ending. Yeah, probably best to steer away from that, definitely. Mm. Um, a toy line was, reduced, re- was released in conjunction with the film and featured action figures of most of Beetlejuice's incarnations, as well as Otho, Adam, so um, Alec Baldwin, whose figure featured him wearing a red baseball cap, and the shrunken headman from the waiting room, whose figure was named Harry the Haunted Hunter. Yeah, because he didn't actually say anything, because his mouth was sewn up. And he came with a detachable head, showing what he looked like before his death. I'm sure that's worth that absolute fortune now. Um, are you ready? Do you want to tell the listeners what Cash in the Attic is? Oh, it's um, it's uh, a UK sort of lunchtime-ish, half-hour kind of programme where um, people get antique experts to um, assess the supposed antiques that are up in their loft basically in their attic okay 
um, and then they have the option to sell them if they want. And then usually they they gather a few hundred quid and then it goes towards, I don't know, someone's 60th birthday celebrations or something. That's yeah, it. yeah. Well, the phone, fa- the faces that they pull, you know, when they see Juno, hmm. um, this the used foam latex prosthetic pieces of the faces were found in an English couple's home during filming for Cash in the Attic. Where, um, but the pieces were in such poor condition and nobody knew the film that they came from that they didn't sell. And there's part of me that thinks, when I look at things like that, I think everyone, I think most people know Beetlejuice. Do you think that's fair or not? But statistically, somebody in that audience must go, Beetlejuice, memorabilia. So I find it very odd that there was nobody in the audience that went, oh, I'll just buy it. I don't care what condition it's in. Yeah, but if they weren't labelled and they, they weren't in context. But any any person who's watched rude. Beetlejuice, would have, I would have gone, those are the masks from Beetlejuice. Maybe I need to go to more auction houses and pick up pick up bargains. Um. <laughs> Well, anyway. having said that, actually, um, the antiques uh, people have been not not antiques roadshow. It's another one, uh, a smaller show. They've been in uh, our town, hmm. and they've um, uncovered some gems apparently from an antique market. Oh, okay, hmm. yeah, nice. Um, one of the films that uh, your favourite, by the way, uh, the films that Tim Burton did. Um, he was the hot director because he directed Pee-wee's Big Adventure <sighs> um, starring Paul Rubens as uh, Pee-wee Herman um, I, I I don't I, get them I get it, I get it just you don't annoying. get it you know, <laughs> I just chuckle thinking about it so trust me, it's, I won't make you do it on the podcast, it's fine because I know that you'll last about two or three minutes and go turn this off I won't. Uh, I'll just leave the room. Well, you just wouldn't bother. I'd just go elsewhere. Well, there you go. Get our guest contributors who are listening. If uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure floats your boat, then uh, I'm happy to do that one. Um, so, yeah. Um, Have we got a volunteer? Well, the, hand, hands up. It could be. We could get um, uh, get Dom. Dom asked me to. Well, Dom or Joe, actually. Yeah, I think both of them. Or maybe somebody else. I don't know. No. Yeah. No, uh, we've got hello, hello to our listener in Wolverhampton. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Hello. Yeah. See, I think it's great that we've got listeners. And she's commented on our, our Facebook page. And, and you know, we get involved and she likes Tom Cruise. <laughs> and I go, do you know what? Who doesn't? Um, I had this conversation uh, this afternoon. I'm sorry, Jackie, if I'm going to upset you now, but. Tom Cruise is like Hugh Grant. Tom Cruise is very, very good at portraying Tom Cruise. But I don't think he's a very versatile actor. I don't think he's Michael Keaton. I prefer Michael Keaton films to Tom Cruise films. Because one of the questions was, did you, do you like Top, you know, do you refer to, and Jackie said, do you like Top Gun? And I said, um, no, I prefer Iron Eagle. And I genuinely do. 
I'd rather watch Iron Eagle than Top Gun any day. Top Gun's all right, but, you know, it's Iron Eagle for me. Oh, good Lord. All the way. All yeah, the way. Yeah, but have you noticed, though, every Tom Cruise film has to have him doing a high-speed run at some point. True. We were watching it uh, a film with him in the other day, weren't we? Which is the one with <coughs> the legal thing. The the firm. The firm. And There's a lot of probably, running in that. Th- yeah, you probably think, oh, there'd be no running. There's a lot of running and a lot of... It is. Running. Yeah, it is. The typical Tom Cruise Mission Impossible run. He does, that in, that. he does that in A Few Good Men. He does that in the rain. Oh, just like, oh, can I do my run? Oh, I'm going to do my run. To be fair, he's good in A Few Good Men. Mm. He's very good. He's good in Tropic Thunder. That is funny, actually. Yes, it I'm is I'm not funny. sure they'd get away with making that now. Um, I, do, do you know what? I can't mention it here, but I did see um, Joe... Um, Joe Rogan was interviewing Robert Downey Jr. and basically asked whether or not it could be made. I'd go and check that out on uh, YouTube. I know, fact, that's a fantastic just, interview. Can I just, can I just uh, use this as a time to to promote the Joe... I, I, I know it doesn't need it, but the Joe Rogan podcast, the one with Quentin Tarantino, it's weird. You can't get them on YouTube, but if you've got Spotify built into your TV or you've got a Chromecast or something like that, you can beam it from your device. You can go onto Spotify, listen to the podcast as you would an audio one, but there's a button there you can press that shows you the video. Mm. The Quentin Tarantino one is three and a half hours long. It's mesmerising. But you're, you're sat there listening to this guy and you're going, oh, God, you, don't, you just don't want to turn it off. We've got about, probably about an hour to go. Mm. But it's and never at one point did you think, oh, okay, well, I'll start doing something else. I'll start watching, you know, fiddling with something else. or something. You're just like you know, a device or something. He was just mesmerised because the mm. guy the guy mm. has a true passion and he, he also appears quite humble at times. He's got very um, particular, almost photographic memory, hasn't he, about events? Of, of films in the 80s, which lines, is why I love him. Lines that have yes. been said. Yeah. Um, Remind scenes. you of anyone, sweetheart? No. Oh, <laughs> cheers. Thanks. Thanks. No, but I said to you, didn't I? I said, I'm sure Quentin Tarantino Mm. is on the autistic spectrum somewhere because his ability to remember the minutest detail and the way in which he comes over is very sequential, isn't it? He'll take you through the scene. How he talks. Yeah, he'll take you through the scene and he'll take you the reasoning of why he thinks that. And he... In, in short, I don't know why we got onto this, but I'll just finish it with this because you really should have to watch it. He he thinks that the eighties was a poor decade for film. Yeah. Oh, bad luck us. And I think, well, and I think it's one of the greatest. Uh, I mean, equally, I, I can see genius in most decades, apart from this last one. Apart from the, I mean, the Avengers and all that sort of stuff was good, but I didn't. There, there, there were some good films. Yeah, but in they're fact, blockbuster fact, movies, though, aren't they? They they're are. Not, they're not independent filmmakers. Um, and that's, yeah, that's not fair. I, think, I have enjoyed a lot of. I've enjoyed, you know, even from the the, the joyous, um, complete lunacy of a film like The Meg, with Jason Statham. You know, there are there are there are good, but when you want to go back to acting, raw acting, 
that doesn't have any sort of political and you should think this and you should say this is the best thing since sliced bread, like a new Adele album. I don't see it, but people do, millions do. I'm in a minority, fine, whatever. But you go back to the 70s and he's right. You see The Godfather, you see Serpico, you see all of these legendary performances and these actors giving everything. And then the 80s comes along and goes, Da, 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 da. it's all fun and it's all and I'm like that's unfair because I think there's a lot of great acting there's a lot of great movies in the 80s with acting stand by me tell me that that tell me that mm-hmm. every single person involved in that isn't acting their chops off it's wonderful but anyway shameless plug for Joe Rogan watch the Quentin Tarantino one we've got I mean I'm I'm going back to it and I'm going oh I want to see that one I want to see that one I want to see that one and the, the, the snippets on YouTube, but I'd really would go and watch the whole lot. Mm. The, the, some of them do bizarrely go on YouTube. So I'm halfway through the Russell Brand one because I went to see Russell Brand a few weeks ago uh, live and he was brilliant. And Joe Rogan just gets the best out of his podcast. I wish I was a, you know, a quarter of the guy that, you know, that guy is. But anyway, the last piece of trivia was Otho claimed to be a paranormal researcher in New York before the market collapsed. But this doesn't explain what he meant by that. It could be a nod to Ghostbusters, where the characters of the film have basically eliminated the paranormal and the market's collapsed. And I love that because, do you know what? I'm going with that. We're doing that. Because when was Ghostbusters? 1984. Ah, okay. So this is four years after. So, yeah. So the market's collapsed. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Ghostbusters. So with that, um, my lovely, my my compadre, my watcher, watcher in crime. Better half. Better, better. <clears throat> some say better, some say other. Um I just realized that Dom sent me a challenge to 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 get um a word into the podcast. Um and I'll have to get it in before the end of the podcast. We can't say it now because you've just alluded to the fact you're going to. Well, make you a don't word. know which word you didn't know which word it is. Have you done it? Not yet. No. Oh. Yeah, but it could be discompopulate, and then I've just well, said no, it. No, because that's that's a word that you kind of use anyway. Yeah, well, I'm not a wazzic. One I'm of not your gonna, words. I'm not be a, right. Okay. Fine. Then uh, you might hear it. You might hear it. Who knows? But um, okay, Dom. Challenge accepted. Um, that's the end. That's the end of season season four. Realise that we are we are pretty much at our two year anniversary. Happy anniversary! Yeah, and we had three thousand downloads milestone, didn't we? Happy, happy, happy anniversary! What's that? We had our three thousand download. We did three thousand. Oh, check us out! Three thousand. That's that's our listeners going. I love you, three thousand. Thank you. Bless you. Um, so we draw a curtain onto Misk. I kind of like Misk because it could have gone anywhere and it did go anywhere. Hmm. Um, some nice, nice things in that I enjoyed. Did you enjoy season four? I did, did actually, you? yeah. I As mean, I know as... I wasn't here, some of it. We had, we had a bit of John, you know, we had a bit of everything. We had a bit of John Candy when we needed it. We had a bit of Chevy Chase. Um, yeah. I think it was all bit yeah. Did we yeah, we did have John Hughes with National Lampoon's vacation. 
maybe he makes a sly appearance in in any way. Just wondering which is my best movie from the season. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, we've got a bit of time. We thought we'd go for two hours. It's not Howard the Duck. I'm sorry. Uh, not Howard. What? The Duck. What? Do you want me to? Do you want me to give you the list? Up? Was the first one the Mosquito Coast? It wasn't. Uh, let me let oh, me bring that up. Season four, back to school. Yes, it wasn't that one. Oh, either. right. For a moment there, I thought, oh, I was going to get away with that. Okay. So the but, sure thing, I gave a seven. That's ooh, the highest. See, that's one. that's that's a good opener. Better off dead was a seven. Both, obviously. Yeah. John Cusack. What this was the his his season? You mean? No, he was in the sure thing, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah, and in better off. Better dead. off dead. Yeah. Yeah. So they're yeah. both at seven. Right. That's it. So they're they're my highest movies of this season. Um, I'm going to discount the Mosquito Coast because it just ended up annoying me in the end. <laughs> I remember um, that. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's. Do you know what? I think it's a dead heat between all the others? It can't be. Well, it... have you not logged your scores in your book? No. Oh. Well, I'm going back to school then. Oh, no. All That's right, okay. Lowest. Fine, I'll go Howard the Duck. <laughs> That's my second lowest. But, but look at it. The, 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 right, okay. Well, I discount summer rental. The, the, you know, if this is like the generation game, I've got to get rid of things. But. I, I, the reason why, because I get to choose this season, is it's it's like Sophie's choice. There's no way I'm going to choose. I'm going to discount the Mosquito Coast. Fine, Summer Rental, begrudgingly has gone. The Great Outdoors, I, I loved it, but it's something has to go. What the did rest, you do with Dom? Um, we did Real Genius. No, doesn't make the thing. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Is the ones the the the, the films that are left. I can't pick between them. Oh, I see. Can't. I just, there's there's lines from Better Off. There's lines that I use from all of them. I love how the duck are one of the few that do, but you know, he's going to get his own TV series at some point in Disney plus. I'm telling you that now it's got to happen. Um, yeah. Mosquito coast annoyed me back to school. I love seeing again. Um, yeah, it's just been great. You know, we've had some great, great appearances um you know dom dom came on for a real genius which is great um i say joe came in for better off dead because you weren't um wasn't very well you weren't very yeah, well thanks for standing in joe thank you yeah and then he stood in for the vacation as well um and he did that so yeah so thanks thanks to you um you're going to be back again next season um and so listeners if you love them um if you prefer them let me know <laughs> and i'll go i'll go and cry somewhere and say fine oh no because it'll be me it'll be it'll just be it'll just be yeah, yeah. it won't yeah, be right. me. okay okay um it's not you i'm a celebrity <laughs> coming back to you um so do you want to i think we t- told everyone already but do you want to give an idea of what's in store for season five yeah go for it uh well i came up the title you did quite original i think it's genius cops and robbers yeah so we're going to have a look at, like, um, cop movies. It's not going to be, you know, necessarily a traditional type um, cops and robbers movies. Um, we're going to kind of 
do some that are, you know, bigger, um, more well-known kind of films, I guess. Yeah. But they're not necessarily in any particular genre. It's just that they'll have a cop or a robber in them. Or both. Or both, yeah. Usually one, there's one and the other. Usually one and the other, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, but I mean, the main, just, the just main off... theme will either be from the the robber's side or from the cop side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for example, one of the Spill the Beans, one of the films is going to be, we talked about this the other day, Lethal Weapon. Is it? Uh, we I think we discussed that about five times now. Okay. So, yeah. Which Even when, when you came up with it, I went, the first thing I said is Lethal Weapon. Which one? One. The first one. Uh, I love I love them all. Is that, that that's not the one where he gets blown off the toilet, is it? That's two. That's lethal that's weapon two. two. By the South Africans. Um so yeah, I I I think that I mean I've got films that are coming into my head. It'd be unfair to say them now because we haven't discussed them. Yeah. Um but I think um we'll we'll do we'll be more regular. I think in season five, we'll do them a bit more regularly because I know there's been a bit of a gap between some of them in season four and for, for whatever reason. But I think we've got such a wealth of things to pick from because it's such a good topic. If you've got any suggestions, oh, absolutely, listeners, listeners. We'd love to, we'd love to send hear them suggestions. In. Yeah. You know, listeners, we're on Facebook. If listener 17 wants to get in touch, she hasn't been in touch for ages. No, hope no. it's okay. I hope he's all right. Um but yeah, pe- people write in. Come, you know, do what Jackie's done. We'd love to. We'd we'd love to talk to you. You know, Jackie, you get a special pass. You tell us your tell us the film, the cops and robbers film that you'd like to see, because you were the last person to contact us. So yeah, you win a prize because it's the end in of the eighties. Well, d- yeah, it does, and not something that's. Well, I was about to say not something that's well known, but Lethal Weapon. That is. Uh, again. Beverly Hills Cop, that's well known. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Don't give away them all. It might be a long season, and it should be because it's a good choice. But you're going to love season six. <laughs> I thought about it when I was swimming this morning. You've already got the next season after. I've got it in mind, yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, and I'm, I'm sorry. And I was going to tell you. Don't I do, say I, it on there. No, I, I don't mind. Right, okay. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Right, let's go then. And I'll come and I'll I'm come down. I'll come down and tell you. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, oh, did you notice? By the way, uh, uh, oh, listeners won't see it, but those that are watching us, I've cut my hair. She looks lovely. Did it myself. I thought you look as fun. you look as beautiful as when I first met you. When you first met me, I had different coloured hair. But you still look beautiful. Oh, you always look beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. All right, what, well, how do you want me to say it? I've not got my fingers crossed or anything. It's fine, you know. Right, anyway, let's away. Right, yeah. Thank Go you for on. joining us for season four. We'll see you in season five, which should yeah. be along shortly. <laughs> so, see you soon. Toodle pip. Cheerio. No, wait a minute. What? What? Did wait you a minute. just fluff that up? Yes. So, cheerio. Are you done? Yes. <laughs> right. Toodle pip. Bye.